I'm Itır Eraslan and this is the Marketing Meeting Podcast, the place where I meet with marketing experts to talk about the latest news, tools and strategies that matter in today's marketing world. Hello and welcome to the Marketing Meeting. My guest today is Alexander Ferenczi. He is the Chief Problem Solver at Advocacy. Advocacy is a strategic social media agency and they work closely with local and international brands. Uh, Alexander is experienced in managing all states of campaign, including organic content strategy, paid media, community management, strategic storytelling, and content development. So Alexander, welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you for having me. Uh, got to listen to a few episodes and then seeing you growing it on LinkedIn and now I'm finally a guest, so thank you. Yeah, thank you for joining me. Uh, today, we're going to talk about social paid ads with a specific focus on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, and we're going to explore techniques that people can use to increase conversion with social paid ads. Uh, but before we dive into that, why don't you tell us a bit about your story? How did you end up with social media? I mean, was it a plan already or? Yeah, it's a great question. So originally i guess in america right everyone kind of needs to figure out what they want to do in high school because we're obsessed with the college application process right what college you're going to go to and what major inside the college you're going to do so in high school i thought i wanted to do finance i thought i wanted to be an investor on wall street so i went to babson college in boston and in there i just was in all the courses it's a liberal arts school so we had multiple business disciplines and i always felt myself like itching towards the marketing courses, just always enjoying it more, enjoying the professors more. But I always had this stigma with my friends of finance that were like, oh, you're going to do marketing? Like, what can you do with PR? Like, that's not a real job. Like, what are you learning in class? Like, you're just talking all day. And I had like this stigma and I'm like, look, I'm getting this like feedback from my, from my friend group. And, but I like the ideas that marketing is. And I like my summer experiences. So I was like, you know what? I'm going into marketing but I needed to find some technical skill that could be transferable besides like, well, in my brand management seminar, I spoke about this case study, but did no financials to figure out what the cost of rebranding was going to be. But I had a great rebranding plan. So I quickly started to attend different events and I met Jeff Nicholson, who was the chief media officer at VaynerMedia. And I kind of told him my dilemma, like, look, I really want to get into marketing, but I don't have any like hard technical skills like my accounting or finance counterparts. Where can I explore a field? And that's where he introduced me to the world of paid media. He said, look, if you like numbers, if you're quantitative, strategic, and you don't mind getting dirty and you're not intimidated by numbers, you should absolutely go into paid media. It's one of the most growing fields right now. It's going to be in demand for the next decade. Go into it. So I kind of saw like this like fortune teller telling me like, There's a gold rush coming. Like if you want to be prepared for it, now's a great time to like shovel, like clean your shovel, get your jeans ready because it's about to happen. So I followed him up on the advice, started to like read a ton of online content about it. Um, was already a Gary Vee fan from college from just watching him and applied for his, to his company. So I worked at VaynerMedia right after college. I got the best marketing training I probably could have ever gotten. In three months, I learned more than I learned four years of college. It was amazing training program, access to the Google reps, the Facebook reps, everybody. And that's sort of my introduction into paid media. Um, and through none other than Gary Vaynerchuk's company was kind of like the way that showed me the light, trained me, educated me, 
And then from there, that's where sort of I just spun off and eventually ended up at a, another agency and now here talking to you. Yeah, nice. What trends did you notice during this year, like 2021, uh, which, are, which can be great learnings to the new year? Yeah, I think a massive learning that everyone experienced, regardless of consent or choice or option, was one, the mass adaption of digital uh, like technology, digital commerce, and digital promotion. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, you've also been right in the corporate world for nearing a decade, right? And you know that whenever you're speaking to people early on, maybe four years ago, three years ago, even pre-COVID, like 2018, 2017, and you're telling them about organic strategies and website optimization and paid ads, it was always in the back of everyone's mind, like, yeah, I probably should do it, but we don't need it right now. Like, we're fine without it. And then COVID hit and you sort of had this mass shift where like, whether you were already in it or you weren't in it, you had no choice but to join the tribe, join the, the everybody that was going towards digital channels. So a mass adaption happened in this year where everyone became an active player. And number two was with that mass adaption became highly competitive market, highly saturated market where a lot of people online are talking about the rising CPM prices. Everything online is sort of a supply and demand model based off user behavior. So ton of users, more online inventory because more users, more dwell time, more user time, everyone's in lockdown. But at the same time, how do we provide content that is contextually relevant with COVID and what's going on? Do we, work, do we use mask at the shoot? Do we use mask in the content? What do we do? You have a bunch of social, cultural, and political uprest that happened this year. You have the Black Lives Matter movement, a bunch of climate change activists, like everything was happening. So a lot of brands were sort of waddling like landmines through the internet through the last year, right? It was like, we need to be here, but what can we do? You know, there was a stop for hate boycott against Facebook that people tend to forget about in the last year where it was like a petition that I am boycotting Facebook now sort of this whole meta rebrand has happened, right? And that direction's happened. Like it's been a wild, wild year. But the biggest change has, I think has been iOS 14, right? Like that is what made everything catch on fire. And it was like, oh no, we're ready. We're ready to handle this like pandemic infused growth. And then, oh, I can't even like clearly see my growth. Like what is going on? So iOS 14 coupled with the mass adaption of this digital technology and digital commerce, I think, is the biggest trend or the biggest cause effect that's happened in the last year. And the trend that I've seen that's emerged from it is a lot of like the imposters online, right? Like these gurus that normally got a lot of credibility are now starting to be like shaken and saying, oh, well, you used to always say that unboxing carousel with this UGC is the best combination. It's not working for me now, right? And you have these people that were relying on this information that now they just, it doesn't work. And the reason why it may have worked before iOS 14 was lack of competition. You can get a high frequency on somebody and just have a bad ad 10 times in someone's face. And, and eventually they might convert just out of the sheer frequency. And now you're not getting that frequency. You're getting three touch points. The price per touch point is four times more expensive. So there was a shift that was happening. And I think iOS 14 really cleared the field in terms of if you don't have the fundamentals of marketing and you don't fundamentally understand how this digital ecosystem works and treating your business partner, which is Facebook, right? Facebook is every advertiser's business partner. 
If you don't treat your business partner with respect, abide by their rules, their best practices, and understand how their machine learning system works, you're never going to get a good relationship out of that partnership. So I think that the trend has become stop trying to be so complex and be as simple as possible. And how do we work within the levers of Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Google to best use their existing platform frameworks and machine learning? Because any marketer that thinks that they're going to create an audience that's more efficient than Facebook's machine learning audience that can pull data from hundreds of thousands of pixels that are online. It's a madman like gut assumption. Like we're not on Madison Avenue anymore. There's data that we can rely on that knows far beyond what we can understand from without even speaking to our customers or accessing customer information as privacy becomes a massive concern. So mm -hmm. all of these things I think have really pushed a shift back to, to fundamentals and basics and clear communication from an advertiser brand perspective to a prospect consumer retention or retargeting campaign. Can you please tell us a bit about what iOS 14 is all about for marketers yeah, yeah, and brands? So if you want to pick up you know, any business article, newspaper publication like the Wall Street Journal, it is no surprise that Apple and Facebook are in a little bit of a boxing match right now. Um, there's some threats from each other in terms of hardware capabilities and what that looks like in the metaverse, Web 3.0 and the future. Um, but also on the software side and having interoperability, right? Where Facebook was able to be this amazing resource to marketers and advertisers because of the flexibility of data being passed back and forth from on app to off app. Um, Apple, prior to this iOS 14 update, had already decided to take their stance from a brand ethos perspective as we're gonna champion our customers and their privacy and we are the gatekeepers of their privacy. And you could see it in their marketing and creative strategy, right? They've had commercials where it's the person walking and there's the mass crowd of people behind them, following them, looking for their password. And Apple is saying, we're gonna give you the privacy that your data is not gonna go out. So they're, they're hanging high on that flag. There was the FBI investigation that happened, I believe in California, maybe two years ago, where the FBI wanted the prospective terrorist's phone and Apple said, we're not gonna unlock it for you. We cannot unlock it unless you literally tell us by the court that we have to. So Apple took a punch at the biggest, most probably notorious company right now in the social and cultural atmosphere, which is Facebook and decided to go head to head with Facebook. Um, and what they've essentially done is stop that transfer of information. But iOS 14 is not necessarily only affecting Facebook. It's also affecting email. It's going to affect messages and just SMS text where that ability to know open rates and click-through rates, now the consent is being put to the consumer where the consumer can either, they have to now opt in. Before it used to be a default opt-in. You can opt out if you'd like. Now Apple has forced everybody who has an Apple device to choose when they come on, do you want to opt in? Um, and most people respond with trust and right now a lot of data privacy concerns and just the concept of, I just spoke about sushi, there's a sushi ad on my phone, this phone is clearly listening to me, where there's now this opt-out that is having mass adaption. Um, so with that, there's just now a delayed in attribution, right? The window of attribution quickly shift from 28 to 14 to seven, looks like it's gonna to head to one day. Google, 
keeps teasing us for the last two years that they're going to get rid of third-party cookies. No, we're not yet, but yeah, we are. So there's like this whole landscape right now of all these tools that we were relying on and they were sort of a crutch to a lot of marketers and advertisers are, are being taken away. But I think that this is a blessing in disguise, really. There's been such a focus, right, on complexity and systems and how do we have the funnel and overcome this objection and that they see this ad 30 seconds, send them here. There was such a, an overcomplication because of what the system allowed us to do that when it, the water became a little bit murkier, foggier, muddier, you can't be complex anymore. You need to be as simple as possible so that you can understand what's working and not. And I think that this return to the fundamentals overall will help companies because yeah. companies that thought it was okay to get you know a purchase or a conversion off of eight frequency touch points paying $2 a CPM, they thought they were being efficient, but that's because uh -huh. the numbers were flawed. In today's landscape, they're not efficient, right? When it, with a $45 CPM, you're only able to get five touch points now and your cost per purchase is $80 on a $60 basket. It just doesn't make financial sense for you to be running ads at that level. So I think it's an adjustment now where everyone needs to really just assess their fundamentals, who their customers are, what's the core value propositions and testing like how our science teachers would really be proud of us, right? Where the AB testing has become the buzzword I think of the last five years, but I don't think 90% of the people who are doing AB testing are actually AB testing. It's like ABCDEFGHIJK, like it's the whole alphabet testing. Like how many variables are in this test? And so I think this simplification is gonna help brands in the long run to just come back to basics, come back to simplicity, but also to open the door for marketers where you don't need to be super technical. If you have a deep understanding of psychology, of your customer, of how to influence people, how to position something as a benefit rather than a feature and really want to drive change and innovation, I think there's a very big opportunity right now for some of these soft skills, which were considered soft, are, are now very strong skills that employers and brands are looking to connect with culture and audiences and really bring out these soft skills. So I think there's an interesting opportunity where in a world that's repeatedly more digital, more automated, more virtual, there seems to be some return back to human nature somehow in this evolving landscape. Like the real human will, will win in this super virtual world for example when we are setting up the audience i know that it's it's a little bit more limited right nowadays i mean we used to you know target really specifically the audience that we want but uh, is that the case or what are some critical things that we should consider there yeah so the targeting has become a bit more complicated in the sense of post ios 14 right where before this data was freely flowing on app off app on app off app so the ability to target people based off behaviors they had on different websites and being able to explicitly tell facebook and facebook ads which is instagram too and audience network and oculus and all that stuff uh, is really now getting shut because now the the mechanism that used to let the data flow is blocking it so mm -hmm. You see this heavy reliance, heavier cost and premium that comes when you're buying lists and uploading the list. And what that list is doing essentially is trying to match the email and the first name and last name and the phone number with the email that may be associated with a Facebook profile 
and it may be a business email or a personal email. So it's, it's all over the place and it's just become more expensive overall. As you add these targeting like premiums, like the CPM price is going to go up because you're bidding on a more competitive profile. Um, mm -hmm. What I've seen to be the, the great change for me personally in the last year and a half. And it took me like a while to just get over this like hurdle, which is I've left interest targeting. Like the world of interest targeting for me is dead. Like I, I haven't touched it since January of this year. I haven't touched an interest. And it came from firstly discovering that interest targeting doesn't have any sentiment tied to it, right? Once I made that discovery and I was like, okay, so if I'm a dog food brand or a dog apparel, right? Like I sell raincoats for dogs with little cute dog boots. And my immediate thing is going to be like interest. I need to put dog. But why would I like, why would I put that? Like, I know it's, it, it, it will reach dog people regardless. Like Facebook is going to optimize. It's going to realize, okay, these 20 people were the first to purchase. What similarities do they have? It's going to already show it to an existing, like lookalike audience that every post ID has affiliated to it. And since there's no sentiment tied to the, to the interest of dog, I'm actually including people who have a negative sentiment about dogs, like the person who just talks badly about their neighbor dog and how annoyed they are about the dog. They're talking about dogs. Positive or negative sentiment is, is out the window. They're in the pool. And now anyone who actually has a dog but doesn't talk about their dog, doesn't write about their dog, doesn't give the system any indicators that they're a dog owner when they in fact are, I am now paying to exclude real dog owners that don't say they're dog owners. And I'm paying a premium to include people that talk about dogs in a negative way. And I was like, this is just backwards. Like I'm leaving interest targeting. Facebook <laughs> announced like in the last month that they got rid of, I think another 10,000 detailed interest targeting. And uh, so I think that just one, once I made that realization like a year ago, I was like, okay, I should leave it. And then just with this change that's happening, this purge of them, hopefully more people start to adapt going broad, right? Which is just age, gender, location from a prospecting standpoint. And mm -hmm. what I always like to do, because I could have this philosophy, I could have this strategy, and it all sounds good on a Zoom and it reads really well on a LinkedIn post. But the hard part is, okay, how do you tell a customer, like an agency customer, we're going to go broad? when they're like, excuse me, like I will, the reason why I was so bullish on Facebook was because I could be super hard, hyper-targeted. And now <laughs> you're saying that we're not going to do that. And I need to approve a media plan that goes broad. It's a very difficult, like convincing to do very hard. So I normally <laughs> always result to let's split test. Let's do an interest-based targeting split test with a broad targeting. And it's not to say that interest targeting won't work for you. It will but it's almost like mommy and daddy are holding your hand the whole time, right? Where mm -hmm. if you're, if your content, your creative, your offer, your angle and your value prop can't swing somebody on a broad level. And you're only going after people who are like already kind of over the fence. Like, are you really marketing? Or are you just showing up at the right time? Right? Like, are you informing, educating, inspiring and, and considering or, or just like, Oh no, like this person was already searching for socks for, for a week. So we just put the socks in right there perfectly timed and maybe we got lucky.
like with this sale. So this ties back to what you said at the beginning, everything is going back to simplification. So, uh, well, I mean, we used to really overdo the targeting uh, and, you know, selecting the audiences with all the, you know, wearing the sneaker at the age of this and dog owner. And at the same time, drinking that specific beer. But now it's just like, as you said, I mean, it's that simple now. It's a gender location and going broader, as I understand. And you you mentioned that we should be testing uh, with, the, with the broader audience, right? Because my question, next question is about testing. Yeah. Yeah. So when it comes to testing, I like to go broad, like just mm -hmm. age, gender and location that makes sense for your product or service and test against that audience. Um, but even more so, it's from a testing standpoint, it's everything should be tested to a certain extent when you're working with paid ads, right? Mm -hmm. I like to always, like my philosophy is like an ad account should be simplified, shouldn't be complex. You shouldn't really have more than four business objectives that your ads are trying to accomplish. And the way that I break them down is prospecting, right? Mm -hmm. What is, how can we get the word out to people from a cold audience? There's nothing colder than going broad, right? Like they don't know you or you don't know that they know you. Um, then it's retargeting which, mm -hmm. right, that's people who visited a website in the last 7, 14, 30, 90, 180 days, whatever parameter makes sense for that brand or service. Um, how many people engaged on Facebook and Instagram in the last 7, 14, 30, whatever days. Uh, video completion time of this percentage, right? Those you definitely need for retargeting or visit a website in the last seven days or dynamic product ads, right? Immediately serve them like a direct response ad, mm -hmm. the carousel of the product they saw. Those are all great tactics. So those are the two core ones that a business needs, I think. Um, and then the third one I have is creative testing, which I use creative testing to verify the winning ads for retargeting and prospecting. And then the fourth one that I have is strategic testing, which that is all focused on increasing LTV um, and increasing the AOV uh, of an existing customer. Um, so, right, it's really that's strategic testing is sort of after your initial 90 days, right? Because you need 90 days to really get an ad account structured, simplified, and already delivering at a net positive ROI. But then after that, it really becomes, how do we improve your business, right? Like, should, you, should we move you to a subscription model? Should we try a different offer, a different landing page? How do we just increase average orders or an ability to cross on upsell? Uh, all of these things that become really the fun problems to solve, which kind of goes into the the role and the name behind it of chief problem solver, which is we love to create good problems for our customers, mm -hmm. right? Where we worked with a travel, a travel company for adventure, sports, traveling, specifically kite surfing, and they needed help generating leads. So we generated a bunch of leads for them. And then the problem became, I set up this business for it to be automated where it's a whole self-service checkout system. I didn't really want to have to work and do customer support, but now my Facebook messenger is out of control. Like I'm spending 10 hours a day responding to the inquiries. Like I could feel that the ads are working, but now I have this problem. It's like, that's, that's a lovely problem to have, right? Like, why don't we do a chat bot for you with a decision tree and different, right? If they ask certain questions, where are their FAQs? What are the most common questions? How can we create a chat bot to do that? So that becomes strategic testing later on down the road. But in order to give an ad the confidence and then the budget to properly scale, I like to do the gauges of creative testing. So first I'll do branded estimated action rate testing and I'll do that from a concept level. Mm -hmm. um, and from the concept, right? The, a concept in my mind is not 
an artsy way of showing your product or this deciding to go with the color of the year palette. And that's going to be our concept. We're going to do pastel because that what's been the color of the year for the last three years or whatever. That's not a concept. The concept to me is what is the sales pitch? What is the reason to buy right now? Can we get someone to buy right now? So segmenting those right from the, in each campaign, you have your ad sets, but your ad sets are not going to be audiences. These are all going to be broad. What your ad set is segmented by is by creative concept. So made in USA, one concept, us versus them is another concept. 30 day money back guarantee is another concept. Best price match guarantee is another concept. Mm-hmm. Then what I'll do is within each of those ad sets, I will isolate in the first round of testing every single creative variable. So primary text headline and the creative asset, image, video, GIF, still, whatever it might be. Um, and we'll isolate all of those. But th- if you do the math by concept, right? That's five primary, five headline, five creative. It's 125 possible ad combinations. It's like, <laughs> unless, you're, unless you're Jeff Bezos and you got a billion dollars right now to test this on a conversion-based objective, or you just have the patience of Mother Teresa and are willing to wait two years to figure out the learnings of this, it's really a difficult thing. So what we do is we have our formula of how we sort of weight cost per click and brand ad recall rate to measure that branded estimated action rate. And then we'll qualify, okay, by each, by each concept that we segmented and the isolated creative elements where it's literally just the primary text on the ad. There is no video, there is no headline, that's all meta description pooled. So no, not really a lot of thought process going behind these ads. They tend to be not the best looking ads that clients are like, those are my ads. And you're like, it's the test. It's not your ads, it's just the test. Um, and we'll then qualify, okay, what are the top two primary, top two headlines, top two creative by concept? So now we get to a more reasonable number, two, two, and two. We're now at eight possible ad combinations. Now that's enough information to now go into a conversion-based objective campaign using dynamic creative feeding the system, still segmenting it by the concepts, but now, okay, you have three images, three headlines, and three primary text. Facebook, work your algorithmic magic of optimizations and dynamic creative, and show me which one's doing positively, right? Mm-hmm. After you get sort of your cost now, it focuses really on just this conversion-based objective, right? And it's, okay, let me break down my analysis, my data by creative element. Okay, I see it's image A is moving the needle and it's primary A and it's headline A. Okay, these are the three winning creative elements. Let me isolate these. And now you kind of leave the dynamic creative format and you go into sort of just your traditional create a dark ad from scratch. I then call this proving ground where now it's that one ad set of your eight to 12 possible ad combinations versus the single ad. If the mm-hmm. single ad beats on a blended results, the dynamic creative ad set, that's now a winner in my mind. It has gone through three different gate checks and now that becomes a control ad. So we'll move that into our evergreen business as usual campaigns and that will either populate prospecting or retargeting. So that's mm-hmm. sort of our method at, at, at the agency. It's we start with creative testing from a branded estimated action rate that funnels into dynamic creative testing that then funnels into proving ground. And then if it exits proving ground, if it ever does, it goes to prospecting, retargeting control campaigns. These are ads that we know give us a consistent CPA of $10 a purchase or 
$3 a lead or whatever the objective may be for the client. And we're constantly like, we condition our team and our clients. And now when I say this out loud, it sounds kind of maniacal conditioning your clients, right? But it's getting them in the routine that this is the framework, this is the approach. And every first of the month for all my clients, we run that branded estimated action rate. And it doesn't mean that every month we're starting from zero. It just means we carry over the winners from last month. And now it's just, how do we help this winner do even better? And the example I kind of like to use to contextualize it for prospects, for customers, because sometimes even clients are confused on this and they need some sort of analogy. I like to use the factory worker analogy, right? Uh -huh. Where your Facebook ad campaign is your factory and you're making bed frames and you have 12 ads, right? These are your 12 employees in the factory. Most people, right, when they think about their Facebook ads, they go, okay, who's the employee of the month? Who, who made the most bed frames? Oh, wow, Joe made 20 beds. Joe, employee of the month. Now, what do all the gurus online tell us? Pause all the other ads and double down on Joe. All right, so Joe was really good at making you 20 bed frames, but he had 10 team members. You just fired nine of his team members, and now you're telling Joe to make 50 beds a day? How's that going to work out for Joe? How's that going to work out for the beds? How's that going to work out for the customers? How's that going to work out for your factory? It's not going to, even though Joe is really good at making 20 beds a day, if it needs to work more, it needs to get more conversions, it needs to carry more of a burden, it's going to do less efficiency overall. So it's how do we get more and more employees of the month cycled into a control campaign and scaling that campaign through getting additional winning ads especially the smaller brands that i know um which doesn't work with a social media agency and they have like limited knowledge about you know about the paid social ad uh, world uh, they don't test uh, they just they have like a few options ad sets and then you know they just do the fundamentals and then you know they select an audience and run the ad uh, and then check the results after that uh, looking from their mindset i mean like does anyone need to test uh first of all because i mean that, that's a little it, it requires quite a lot of technical knowledge i mean if you think about like a startup brand who is just not working with a social media agency and who doesn't have so much skills to you know work with the paid social ads so what, what would you recommend there so actually what i recommend when because I get approached by startups. And when I started my agency, you know, it's like, what, what can I work with? Who can I work with? So I was working with a lot of startups, bootstrapped, not a lot of funding, not a lot of capital investment, and they're looking to grow. And what mm -hmm. I realized through working with these, you know, startup brands, and some of them have been able to grow really well this year and others have struggled is there's a clear winner when it comes to paid ads, if you're a startup, right? If you don't have organic sales and you're just starting off and you want to run paid ads, you're running a gamble. You don't know if you have market fit. You don't know your customer yet. You don't know your positioning, your value prop, your messaging. You don't know any of that. So you're going into a risk. Now, the startups I love to work with are the ones that have a few thousand followers already. People are buying their product and they're like, how can I grow this? But if someone is looking at Facebook ads as the strategy, tactic, and investment opportunity to develop this startup, I think you're in a losing strategy, right? Where if you need Facebook ads 
to be successful, you probably don't have a business yet. You just have a product or service that you're pumping through advertising, but you don't have a business. And I completely understand that in today's digital environment and the way that users behave online today, you need a digital promotional strategy to get you started. So what I tell people is it's okay to be reliant on Facebook ads for growth, but what you don't want is to become addicted to Facebook ads for growth, right? Where you want to use Facebook to acquire a customer. Absolutely. You should. But why are we still spending money on an already converted customer on their sixth purchase, still influencing them to buy through a paid social ad? I mean, do we not have their email? Do do they not follow us? Um, Do we not have their phone number for a text message? Right. These are, that's another issue that the business has where email is probably not great. SMS is not great. There's no nurturing. There's no community management. So you have to spend money to constantly get conversions. So my advice is if it's bootstrapped, bootstrap it organically. And and once you have those learnings, like the, the audience will tell you, it'll be obvious in your organic content, like, wow, this reel really took off. And if you're a startup that, you know, you post a reel and your, your average video view is like 5,000 on a reel and you end up with a reel that has like 50,000, I would urge that startup to put, you know, 20, $50 behind it. At that point, it's a very low risk investment, 20, $50. I wouldn't say put 10,000 behind it because we don't know, but absolutely. Like if you're, if you're committed to organic content and you're seeing this boost, I would, I would nurture it, try to learn a little bit from, from implementing it. But in terms of running ads, right, and not having all the technical sophistication to do anything, I really think it's leaning into dynamic, right? It's two, two, two campaigns every business can have is dynamic creative for their prospecting and dynamic product ads for direct response retargeting, right? Mm-hmm. Those are two simple campaign structures with simple setup that in 15 minutes, a fifth grader can, can do this. So I, I urge every startup owner that, feels that it's complicated, go on YouTube, go on Facebook, you know, blueprint, like they, there's free courses in one weekend, you, you, you can work it out. You can figure out how to set up this campaign. And if you're using dynamic tools, you're never assuming that you're right. You're saying, I'm going to give the system five different image options. I'm going to give the system three different images, uh, three different copies. That's what I'm giving the system. I know that some of these work with some people. It could be existing subject lines, existing email nurturing sequences that have already been developed and you're just repurposing into ads. Um, and when it comes to the retargeting on dynamic product, like don't even think about it, right? Upload your Shopify catalog, get it set up with your commerce manager, have the primary text always be the price, have the description always be the product name. Like you don't even have to touch anything and it's just soon as someone views content within three days, this ad is going to show and it's really low maintenance, low touch. If you're really not sophisticated and you're just swamped as a startup owner, there's easy solutions that are simple, clear, not complex, and can, can provide a lot of relief for a lot of uh, startups out there. I, I, I'll even share one story of a startup that I've worked with and spoke with the owner and the founder, right? It was, uh, it's a, it's a, it, was a, it was a jewelry brand but like it could, it was very good for gifting because it was Zodiac and horoscope and astrology based jewelry. So very good for gifting because it's literally tied to someone's birthday and they want to treat themselves. And if they're an Aquarius and they like to be an Aquarius, they want to tell people that they're an Aquarius. Right. And they were, they were looking for just initial organic growth tactics. Go to Instagram, explore, 
hashtag birthday and wish everybody who posted today about themselves because people on Instagram say, it's my birthday, 30 years around the sun. I'm amazing. So go tell them, tell them you are so amazing. Happy birthday. I wish you have a year that you accomplish whatever you want. So in one day, you can send 50, you could post 50 comments on other people's content, wishing them a happy birthday on their birthday. And they literally got, I think from every hundred messages they would send, they would get like two or three orders. And the wow. orders were low. It's a $10, $15 jewelry costume product. Very low, very low cost. But that's a tactic that literally just, if someone had capital, someone had access to investment, they would never explore this path. They would never develop a relationship with customers this way. So I really do think that when a startup is forced to be scrappy, like doesn't have funding, that is the true breeder of ingenuity and creativity. Like when you don't have budget, that's when you're really creative. Once we start promoting the ads, um, how soon shall we start checking the insights? I mean, I know that the reporting from Facebook is a little bit delayed nowadays. Yeah. It used to be like, I think a few hours even, but now people say that's a few days. I mean, how, what did you see there? Yeah, it really, it depends. It depends by ad account and depend, it depends by product or service like the brand. Um, so you can see delays of, 10 hours, delays of 20 hours, but you could also see delays that you'll never see, right? Where like Facebook is only giving you 80% accuracy on your conversions. Like there's a delay there on some type of a scale, but there's also like, you may not see that at all. Like at all, you may not get that conversion. So Facebook does have a tool where you can upload your offline conversions, like all of your sales from the month, and they will match it with mm. their experience. Like, all right, this is who we thought was da da da. And they'll tell you, okay, you're, you're on your events manager, your conversion is seven out of 10 accuracy. So there's like systems and tools we could use within Facebook to try to figure out the reality, but it's also understanding. And I feel like every SEO person right now is loving their job because Google analytics is attributing everything to organic search and direct search. So <laughs> SEO people are getting a lot of credit right now for a lot of paid media effort and work. Um, which is just looking at it from a measurement standpoint, you know, try to use UTMs as best you can, you know, implement a post-purchase survey because Google may say it was, you know, search direct, it may say it was Facebook, it may say it was Instagram, it may say it was TikTok, but what does the customer say it was? Like they'll tell mm -hmm. you, like, no, it was YouTube or no, it was this. And, you know, getting that data check outside of your attribution software, like just helps you better make decisions because the attribution software is only telling you what the software has been coded to be able to do. Someone made that decision at some point. So it's not 100% accurate. It's just what the attribution software claims to be accurate in. So when it comes to measurement, I like to go fully 40,000 foot view, like a bird in the sky. What's our blended cost per purchase or cost per action or cost to acquire a customer? And what is our blended return on ad spend overall? And looking at it from a platform basis and then an ecosystem basis where all right, this month we spent 10,000 in Facebook, 20 in Google, another 10 in YouTube and five in TikTok. Let's see how this scales out. Okay, the decision here should be to probably cut TikTok. We're not getting conversions from TikTok, let's cut it. All right, mm -hmm. we cut it. Then we're looking back at the next two weeks and we're like, wow, our retargeting campaign on Facebook has taken a serious hit. I don't know why things are getting so competitive. Why are prices going up? And we look, oh wow, the audience pool's gotten smaller. And then you do a couple steps back and you realize, wow, TikTok was really bad at bottom of funnel 
but was super efficient at top of funnel and was actually helping nurture the Facebook campaigns. It was actually pulling traffic from TikTok and then retargeting on Facebook and it was pretty qualified. So if you only think in platform, what, what is TikTok telling me? What is Facebook telling me? What is Google telling me? You don't get that ability to that perspective where then you could say, okay, maybe we don't need five, but let's put 2,500 this month in TikTok. Let's see if we can get lift on our retargeting efforts on Facebook. If it proves that it does, great. Now you have an indicator that TikTok, we should spend some type of level in TikTok, right? Again, simplicity and not complicating things. Just if it helps in any way and you can quantify and qualify the decision with data, it could be a good decision, but also just being flexible to the opportunity of if this doesn't work out, it's okay. We can, we can abandon the strategy. We're not like married to a strategy. We can pivot. Um, so from a measurement perspective, I really look at it. I just blended overall basis. How mm -hmm. much do you spend? How much do you get back? Was this week better than last week? Was this month better than last month? What are your constant improvements month over month that eventually will get you to that larger targeting goal that you want to accomplish. Mm -hmm. So you say that we should, you know, try to focus on two, you know, core KPIs, which is like the blended cost per action and blended return on ad spend, right? Yeah. So, and, and like the reduction of the fixation with the optimizations, right? Like I remember being in Facebook ads maybe four years ago and it was like being in Wall Street, right? Buy, sell, turn off, turn on. Now the review process takes too long where like, your ad's not going to be live for maybe 12 hours, 16 hours. It used to be like 30 seconds. This ad is live. This is crazy. And you could literally try to like day trade and hack the system to get these short-term wins. You can't do that anymore. So what I like to say is with the optimizations, like it's not really worth optimizing unless week over week, like every day, make a few notes. Like, okay, this is something I should be monitoring this week. This is something I'm monitoring. Then at the end of the week, make the decision based off all the daily monitorizations this is the change that we need to make this week because changing too often is going to hurt the Facebook, Instagram machine learning from giving you the best thing, right? Which is you need to exit that learning phase. Like that is the most vital part of Facebook, Instagram ads, exit the learning phase. And you need 50 conversions per ad set to exit the learning phase. And every time you make an optimization, you change the budget, you tweak the copy, you tweak the targeting, you reset the learning phase and you reset it. And if you mm -hmm. don't exit it in like two, three days, it then becomes limited learning. And that's like, you're crawling your way out of this hole. It's going to be very difficult. Prices will be expensive. But as soon as you exit that learning phase, that's where people feel like they hit the lottery with Facebook ads. Wow, my comps are going down drastically. And it's none of your efforts. Those are, that's Facebook, the pixel, a bunch of machine learning and code. That's fantastic out there. Um, and you just need to abide by the system, give the system what it needs nerd coach the system, like teach Facebook what you want, right? Where if you're mm -hmm. telling it to go after post engagement, it's going to learn to just get you post engagement. But if you tell it, I want purchases, I want conversions over time, it's like a, it's like any athlete, you need to train it, you need to coach it to, to accomplish what you want it to accomplish. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's all, you know, it comes up to, um, you know, this, um, turning it on and off, on and off every time and doing some really fast tactical stuff, it's over, right? I mean, that's why we need to really test. I mean, first of all, we need to have a strategy. Uh, and why are we doing this? What are our objectives? What is our brand? Who's the customer? And then we need to test because uh, if we don't test, 
because we don't have now the option to turn it on and off whenever we want because everything is getting delayed and we cannot have access too much of data in a fast manner. That's why I think testing is also getting really important. So we just suggest everyone to, you know, understand what this testing is all about. Yeah. As you said, just like they teach us at the university or at the school and try to, you know, be scientific a little bit about that. Yeah. Thanks so much. Thanks so much, Alexander, for joining me. Uh, so uh, just tell us where can people find you? I mean, I know that you're active on LinkedIn. Uh, what's your LinkedIn name? Yeah, so on LinkedIn, I'm just Alexander Ferenzi on um, the <laughs> personal page. Um, I'm trying to get active on Twitter every once in a while. I'll, I'll do a, a tweet and then the mandatory screenshot to post on LinkedIn to let everybody know that you have a Twitter. Um, mm -hmm. So on Twitter, I'm at Avokazi. Um, and if they'd like to learn more about me, the agency, anything I do, feel free to check it out on LinkedIn, direct message me on LinkedIn. Um, you can go to the website, but I feel like in today's world, it's really the, it's coming from a thought leadership first, like personal brand first. So I'm more active on LinkedIn and more than happy to connect with anybody, um, especially if there's any students out there. I really try to urge as many young students as possible to see this gold rush opportunity. A lot of executives, a lot of people in today's environment don't have the bias of age that they used to have decades ago, and they're relying on youth right now. And there's a bunch of free courses online. You can become an expert marketer in a few, in like a few years with a few job roles. And next thing you know, you're a young professional and you get to live a life that you want to live and not being forced to any hierarchy or structures that they didn't want to. So any students, feel free to message me. I love talking to young students and telling them mm -hmm. all the wonders of paid media. I, I really appreciate that. And then I really advise people to check out your LinkedIn account because, I mean, you don't share every day, but the pieces of information that you share, I mean, like I was liking your last three, four posts today, even. I mean, like they were really good content. Thanks so much, Alexander. Thank you. Have a great day. Bye.